This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Am I a pack rat or what? <laughs> this is. Yeah, arrest five at Port Plaza. Oh, this is, yeah, when they, this is when they got us, huh? <laughs> Ralph DeMacy lives in a rented room in a single-story house on a cul-de-sac in northern Massachusetts. The room is small and cramped, a lot like a prison cell. Ralph's memories cover the walls, photos of wise guys, his wife, his three kids. And there are file boxes everywhere under the bed, stacked in the closet, full of letters and court documents and newspaper clippings from Ralph's long life of crime. Damasi is a career criminal, probably one of the most dangerous professional and career criminals in New England, no. Rhode Island State it Captain Brian Andrews said. That's a cop from Rhode Island said that. That's right, he sure did. <laughs> Ralph is a legend in New England's criminal underworld. One of the most dangerous members of the patriarchal crime family. And he was unique, half black, half Italian. He started out as a boxer. He had no problem committing acts of violence. But at night, when other wise guys went out drinking, he went home to his family. Israel, my wife Sue and I, and, and all three of the kids. Wow. Yeah, a little Susie there. She's 40 years old now, that was, Fucking 40, uh, 30, 39 years ago. Back then, when it came to crime, Ralph had a specialty, robbing armored trucks. He loved it. You want honest answers, right? I really do. I'm 79 now, and I've gone through the whole rigmarole of criminal activities. And If I could rob an armored truck, Today or tomorrow, I do it. <laughs> that was, there was two objectives, I think, is to get the money and don't get caught getting the money. Today, Ralph's an old man. He's short and withered. His memory is slipping. You'd never think he's the kind of guy law enforcement says he is. A guy accused of armed robberies, home invasions, even murders. But then, a few months after our visit, this happens. Ralph DeMacy, now 80 years old, was arrested this afternoon, charged with armed robbery and murder. DeMacy will be in court Wednesday to face the new charges against him. This week, Ralph DeMacy's past catches up to him. I'm Mark Smirling. And I'm Zach Stewart-Pontier. Welcome to Crime Time. (laughs) 
organized crime is given too much credit. They're merchants of fear, and if you succumb to their fear, they own you. You know who I mean when I say the old man, the number one, the uno, Raymond Patriarca, the boss in New England. Here comes this armored truck. So out comes this guy carrying this big bag. He opens the door, throws it in, and he gets in. I said, wow, I said, look at that. I says, how easy he'll be, you know, to, to get. I asked him, I said, what would you have done if one of those guards took out his gun and tried to foil the robbery? He said, that's why we were carrying guns. They would have shot him. They would have killed him. On one of our first visits with Ralph DeMacy, he called the most important person in his life, his ex-wife, Sue. All right, huh? Right, bye out. Bye. I still stick to my word today that nobody will ever love or has ever loved the way we love. Like, they've accused me of killing people and doing, you know, a lot of criminal acts throughout the years. But uh, I always treated Sue uh, uh, like a queen, you know, the best I could, you know. He was just so gentle and kind, like, you know? Like, what, he patted me on the head one day, and I, I, wanted, I think I did lash out and say, what am I, a dog? I wanted him to like me, like, and notice me, you know? And uh, the first time I went over his house, I brought, he had never drank, I brought over, I think a six pack Ralph and a half a pint of Seagram 7, right? Because I wanted to get drunk to have the nerve, you know, to be with him alone. And uh, he was like, why do you drink? And that was it, I quit drinking after that. When I met him, we moved in right away. Probably within two weeks. We got married within four months, you know. And then uh, he just started going to jail. He had been in jail when I, you know, when he came home. You come home from the cactus fur robbery thing, and I met you at my mother's. And uh, you did me 12 years for that? No, you did eight and a half years. You had just gotten out of Walpole. You did eight and a half years. Next thing you know, they were kicking my door in again. That was for a home invasion. That night, Sue was waiting for Ralph to come home. She was pregnant with their first son, Ralph Jr. I can remember one time sitting knowing that he was out doing a score, and it was so quiet that I could hear my own heart beating. I'm pregnant with Ralph. I'm in this flimsy nightgown just slid up to here, right, thinking he's going to come home and we're going to have a nice dinner and this and I hadn't heard from him, and he always, always called home, no matter what happened. I thought, sure, he was dead, and I could hear my own heartbeat. I was listening so intently at the door. It seemed like an eternity. It 
Sue finally heard Ralph's car pull into the driveway. They were in an old Rambler. When Ralph pulled up, they pulled in and blocked him in, and then cars came from everywhere. They had these big spotlights. It looked like it was daytime out, like a movie scene, right? I ran down the stairs, and it just happened so fast. I went out, they had a gun to Ralph's head. And I jumped on the cop's back. I'm saying, let him go, that's my husband. <laughs> the place is surrounded. And then it dawned on me, all oh, the guns, uh-oh. They said to me, we're coming, I said, you ain't coming to my house unless you have a warrant. So we're on the third floor. I go up, I got the box, this heavy box with all guns in it and everything. And there's a window in between each landing. And I'm trying to walk normal, like, you know. Sue struggled under the weight of all those guns and made her way downstairs to a neighbor's door. And I said to Sharon, I gotta put these away. She goes, no, Sue. So I didn't give her an option. I said, listen, just open it, just shut up. I'm putting them in here, don't worry. If anything happens, you'll be bailed out tonight. <laughs> See, those stories were funny to me. It don't sound normal, does it? <laughs> Out of the 13 years we were married, he was in prison 11 of those. And the longest period of time he was home one time was for seven months. It was usually two weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Really? Yeah. What was his reputation in Southie and uh, in Providence? What was, who, what, is, what was Ralph known for? Oh, in Providence? Yeah. Connected to the mob. Was his thing, you know, tough guy. Raymond, Raymond's a good friend of mine, Patriarca. Raymond, L.S. Patriarca, boss of the New England mob. When you ended up at the ACI and met Raymond, Raymond, because I treated his wife with so much respect and everything and Ralph's connections with him, you know what I mean? I still uh, friends with his son. Yeah. You know? But he used to, I used to go to his office on Federal Hill every week, and he'd have a little yellow envelope for me with $200 in it. That helps. You ain't kidding. It was huge back yeah. then, you know? Yeah. And plus, Christmas, he'd have a tree delivered to my house. As a member of the Patriarchate crime family, Ralph occasionally had to deal with rival gang leaders, including one of America's most famous mob bosses. Whitey Bulger. Yeah. What about him? You you had a confrontation with him. Well, I never did. No, he uh, he had a confrontation with me. Whitey's in that category where his whole focus was uh, what I want, I'm going to get, and I'm going to get it the way I want to get it. And he used the violence to achieve his uh, his end. On March 23, 1973, Ralph had a sit-down in South Boston with Whitey and some of his associates. According to Ralph, they were there to settle a dispute. When Ralph left, he jumped in a black Cadillac with a friend named Billy O'Brien behind the wheel. Now, when I left, it was getting dark. So I looked back. Before I got in the car, Billy O'Brien was driving. 
I said to Billy O'Brien, I said, Billy, keep your eye on the rearview mirror, side mirror. If a car comes up fast, I said, hit the gas. He started laughing. Ah, oh, Ralph, you'd be a paranoid. So he, he fluffed me off. He laughed about it and joked. But then another car pulled up alongside and opened fire. It threw me forward because I got hit in the shoulder, in the back. And Billy said, what the fuck? And he hit the brakes, and we started fishtailing. And then I went down on the floorboard, because the bullets just kept coming. And then we crashed into the, the fence. Everything goes blank except to try to get the person that's trying to do you harm. I had a stiletto. I didn't have a gun. I had a stiletto. I got the stiletto out. That car stopped, and the two shooters got out. That was, was Bulger that like? and uh, Tommy King. I reached up, opened the door, and I wasn't running the other way. I was running right at him to try to disarm him and stab him, kill him. <laughs> I heard one, Hurry, here he comes, and they panicked and jumped back. All they had to do was start shooting, and <laughs> I was dead as a doornail. They jumped back in the car, ran after him for a minute, and then I got my head together and went back to the, to the car. And Billy O'Brien, I could see his whole side of his head was uh, you know. So I started walking and trying to get off of Morrissey Boulevard, and a police car pulled up. Hey, hey, where are you coming from? And I, and I, I might have been staggering a little, and I kept walking. He jumped out of this police car and ran. Holy shit! Your blood was all over me. And he grabbed the hold of me, got me in the police car, and, and uh, took me to the hospital. The driver, Billy O'Brien, died. Ralph DeMacy had been shot seven times, but he survived. I remember when you were in the hospital, Ralph, and you got a phone call, and they were begging for forgiveness and saying they didn't know you were in the car. That's because Raymond and all the yeah. wise guys got involved. Right, and, uh, right. You know, they said, hey, he's with us, you cocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they... Yeah. Then they grabbed you at the wake. Oh, remember yeah. we went to the wake, and I had my... Yeah, and Ralph, Rhode Island State Police were there. Yeah. And they pounced on Ralph. And Ralph had a gun here. Remember? And it fell down your leg. And I took my coat on. I had a long wrap. And I tried to cover it. But I knew they saw it. I was trying to get the gun. Yeah. And the cop, Macharis, I remember him as a kid. My mother knew him. Yeah. And he said, Sue, don't bother. We know he's got a gun. Even if it's on you, we're charging him. You know. So they took him. I was saying, I can't believe you're going to take him from a funeral. 
Ralph DeMacy Sr. speaking. The date is July 23rd, 1977. I just thought maybe I'd talk to you tonight, honey. With Ralph in prison so often, he and Sue had to find ways to keep each other company. One way was to pass audio cassettes back and forth. Sometimes I sit in this cell. I wish I could reach out and touch you. I never thought it was possible to love someone like I love you, honey. Sometimes I can't even express it. It's so frustrating not to be able to just, oh, I don't know, just hold you tight in my arms, just kiss you. I loved it when I was with you, honey, out there. I mean, every moment of it, every moment of it. In her small apartment, Sue recorded Ralph Jr. so his dad could hear his voice. What, what does daddy look like? Monkey. Monkey? A monkey. Daddy's a monkey? A monkey. Yeah? You love daddy? I'll kiss. You want to kiss? Oh, you kiss daddy? You, want, you miss daddy? You want daddy to come home? A few years after Ralph Jr. was born came child number two, John. The only delivery Ralph was out of prison for. And even then, he cut it close. I go up to the jail. It's in a bad neighborhood. Picture me nine months pregnant. They won't let me go inside. I go up with the bondswoman. I post the bail at one o'clock in the afternoon. Nine o'clock at night, I'm still waiting. Right? They won't let me inside. She says, just sit outside. There's no benches. I go into labor. I say, I'm in labor. She says, there's a sidewalk. I'm like, are you serious? I ended up calling her a few names. And then finally, what I did was I went around the back. I saw a gate. It says, personnel only. I thought, I'm getting somebody's attention. So I went through the gate, and all the lights went off. All the sirens. And I went up to the door and I buzzed. I said, listen, this is Susan DeMacy. I'm in labor. I post a bill for my husband, Ralph DeMacy, at 1 o'clock. I need him to come out. They had never told him. He was inside wondering where I was. So he came home. He came and we went to the hospital and had the baby. Oh, my God. That's insane. Johnny was born down yeah. there? Yeah. The next day, Ralph was rearrested and sent back to prison. I was deprived of a husband, and my kids were deprived of a father, you know, because of choices that he made yeah. to end up in prison. Yeah. I was away so long, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that'll take a lot out of a woman, you know, when yeah. you... And plus, it gets, yeah, you know, like you know, tr driving from Amesbury to Rhode Island three times a week with three kids, you know, one in your arm, one holding on to you, and the other one hold, you know, it it does take its toll. What happened was, I, uh, I ended up cheating on him, and then I just could never be with him again. He was in prison. I went up and told him, and he was like, 
it don't matter, honey, you know. I'm glad you came and told me, because if somebody else had told him, he probably would have killed him, <laughs> you know. But, uh, and he, he didn't, it didn't matter to him, but I just couldn't, you know. I felt like I disobeyed my marriage vows, and then I ended up meeting somebody, and, you know. Even though they were divorced, Sue kept in touch with Ralph. Then, after serving more than 20 years for an armored car robbery, Ralph got out in 2013, and he moved close to Sue, his children and grandchildren. The deterrent of my life now is to be with Sue and the kids and, 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 and enjoy a few years. You know, uh, Mark, I got to tell you, and, and I know I get a laugh uh, uh, from some people, but I got 50 more years to go. So I'm not... No, so I'm not... I'm not going to sweat out anything that happened in the past, and I'm just going to live today and tomorrow. Ralph doesn't want to go back to prison, but it's obvious that he misses his old life. At the time I robbed the bank, I really didn't mean to do it. Right? At the time I robbed that armored truck, I really didn't mean to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> he jokes about it. It all seems so distant, even harmless. We can't help but laugh with him. When I shot that guy, I didn't really mean to do it. <laughs> Gotta be careful on the statue on the table. I know, I know. <laughs> but now, listening to our conversations with Ralph, his violent past doesn't seem funny at all. Ralph DeMacy, now 80 years old, was arrested this afternoon, charged with armed robbery and murder. Police say back in 1991, DeMacy and three other men gunned down 52-year-old Edward Morlock of Athol in the foyer of a Shaw's Market. Morlock, an armed truck guard, was carrying money bags from the store. After the break, Ed Morlock, the man Ralph is accused of killing, and the family he left behind. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. One night, I couldn't take it. I just walked out, never went back. He locked me out. No coat on. It was in November. Very cold. This is Jeanette Morlock. She's speaking with Dan Barry, a writer for the New York Times. Back in the 60s, in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Jeanette was living with her first husband and decided she'd had enough. I had no place to go. My mother wouldn't take me in. My dad wouldn't. I had no place to go with the kids. And who took me in? Ed did. Ed was Ed Morlock, her neighbor. He lived down the road from me. But he didn't like what my ex-husband was doing to me because he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Was he abusive? Yep. So he kind of like stepped in. Mm-hmm. Didn't like the way he was treating me. And he said, that's it. I'm taking you out of here. 
and I've never regretted it. Jeanette fell in love with Ed, a simple man who'd grown up on a dairy farm. Nothing he couldn't fix, jack of all trades. Bailers, hay, the gutters for the cow. It was nothing he, they pasteurized milk, worked in the milk room. Oh yeah, he loved all that stuff. In 1968, they got married. We were living on the farm, and in the March, late February, March, you have to go out in the woods and cut wood that they sell. Cutting the trees now, and I heard an ambulance go by, and I went, oh no, no, somebody got hurt. Sure enough, chainsaw was still running, came down, cut his leg on an angle, cut him down to the bone. Ripped out all his valves and tendons, and uh, of course he was rushed to the hospital, emergency operation. He was never right after that. After the accident, Ed suffered from chronic pain and walked with a limp. The physical labor of farm work became too much, so he found a new job as a guard on an armored truck. That morning he left, he filled in for somebody else. It was not his day to work. Right, right, right. And right, he right. filled in, and he said, we're going to go out to McDonald's. And that was a treat for us, because we didn't go out much. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, he said, I got I to talk to you. Got a lot of things to tell you. I said, okay, we'll talk about it later. But he never came home. Ed and I were married 24 years before he got killed. Right. But now I'd be married 48 years if he was still living. One Saturday in May of 1991, Ed's armored truck pulled up to a Shaw's supermarket in a strip mall. Ed got out and went into the market to pick up the day's cash. About 10.30 that morning, I was upstairs cleaning the bedroom. And the phone rang, and I have a, right. a phone in the bedroom, and I answered it, and he said he was from Mass Transport. And I said, yeah, what's, what, what is it? And he told me, he said, I don't know how to say this, but your husband's been shot. Armed men, wearing stockings to hide their faces, confronted Ed, and they shot him. Did I hear that right? So I said, what? Now stop playing games with me. This is no, I don't believe you. I was gonna hang up on him. And he kept saying, no, wait, wait. And all I know, I dropped the phone and I was screaming. I still remember it like it was yesterday. The killers grabbed the cash and escaped in a waiting car with stolen plates. I had the radio playing, and what I remember most was, it was a song by, I think it was R.E.M., uh, Losing My Religion. This is Ed and Jeanette's son, Ed Jr. Because it was playing on a radio station, and I changed the radio station, and then it would start up on that radio station. I must have heard that song five or six times uh, on six different radio stations. 
Ed Jr. came home to find the police standing with his mother on the front porch. I came back, it was around probably just before noon time, and there was a, a police cruiser, so I pulled in the driveway, and I came in, came in the door, and... Do you remember me standing with the cop? I was I, pounding his chest. I said, don't say that to me. Well, he kept I, telling me he I was know, dead, and I said, no, he's not. There was one officer that was that was, that was wrong. holding you. Yeah. Another officer was in the dining room, and when I came in, he asked who I was, and I told him, and he told me that um, my father was shot and killed. Oh, he said he was dead? Yeah. Ed Morlock's murder remained unsolved for more than two decades. But then, last year, police got a break in the case. Good afternoon. At about 10.30 a.m. on May 18, 1991, Edwin P. Morlock Sr., an armored truck security guard, was shot multiple times in the foyer of Shaw's supermarket. He was carrying the supermarket's receipts to the truck when he was approached by gunmen in shot multiple times. The men who killed him escaped in a white Cadillac. That vehicle was located a short distance away. This well-organized homicide and armed robbery remained unsolved until earlier this year, until new information was discovered by detectives of the Worcester Police in its unresolved homicide unit. That information led to the arrest of Ralph DeMacy early yesterday at his home in Salisbury, Massachusetts. Thank you, Chief. Are there any questions? The, the new evidence that came forward, or the new evidence that was right. developed by the detectives, is there anything, any light you can shine on that without, you know, screwing up your case? Later oftentimes in these cases, people have different reasons uh, that to give information. Maybe they didn't want to talk at the beginning. Maybe they wanted to talk later. Um, that is typical of unresolved cases. For his ex-wife, Sue, Ralph's arrest came as a surprise. Uh, I don't know. My daughter called me up hysterical that she saw it on the news. And uh, I guess something happened in Worcester in 91. A short supermarket was held up or whatever. It's a, yeah. uh, the guard was shot three or four times. Or so, I, don't, I don't know, several times. Jesus. Like, that's just not Ralph's M.O., you know? Yeah, and they're saying... Him and three other guys said if the other three guys are dead, they never gave their names. I don't know what's going on. I never heard anything about it. Yeah. This is the first time. But I just feel bad because he was just diagnosed with, uh, I forget the term, but it's like pre-Alzheimer's. Pre yeah. yeah. You know, and he's got a lot of medical issues, you know. I'm sure he's feeling all confused right now, you know. Yeah. But for Jeanette Morlock. Ralph DeMacy is nothing more than a criminal who killed her husband. He can go to hell and burn in hell. I have no sympathy for him. The prosecutors looked at me and he said, you know what, I don't blame you. It's going to be 26 years in May. He ruined my life. He appeared thin and frail, but 80-year-old Ralph DeMacy 
answered clearly to the charge of murder. Not guilty. DeMacy was a known associate of Whitey Bulger and had already served time for armed robbery. Still, a daughter doesn't believe her father was capable of murder. He's always been um, very loving, good father, good grandfather. So the fact that he's charged with murder now is beyond your comprehension. I can't even comprehend it. It's unbelievable. Ralph DeMacy will go on trial next year. Will the jury see what Sue sees, a loving ex-husband trying to make up for lost time with his family? Or will they see what Jeanette sees, a ruthless criminal accused of gunning down her husband one spring day in 1991? In the meantime, Ralph sits alone in a Worcester jail. And just maybe, as he lies on his cot in the dark, he hears a voice, his own voice, a warning he left for himself on an old cassette tape some 50 years ago. I know fucking well I can't never, never again do all them crazy running arounds. No way, boy. We just got to put it all behind us, baby, and get way away from it. Don't matter how we do it, man. We just got to get it together, boy, and really live now. So I'll bring it back here. Oh, excuse me, I'm yawning and everything. Isn't that awful? I'll be uh, dreaming about you tonight, honey. Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything, everything you've shared, your heart and your love and your life with me, and I want to thank you for it. Okay, baby? Have a nice sleep, honey, because i got to go to sleep now, baby. I'll be dreaming about you tonight, honey. Good night, baby. I love you, honey. Good night. Crime Town is me, Mark Smerling, and Zach Stewart-Pontier. This episode was reported in partnership with Dan Barry of the New York Times. To learn more about Ralph DeMacy and the murder of Ed Morlock, read Dan's recent article, The Holdup, A Mobster, A Family, and The Crime That Won't Let Them Go. Crime Town is produced by Drew Nellis, Austin Mitchell, Caitlin Roberts, and Mike Plunkett. Our associate producer is Laura Sim. We are edited by Alex Bloomberg and Caitlin Kenny. This episode of Crime Town was mixed by Matthew Boll. Sound designed by Kenny Kusiak and Martin Peralta. And additional mixing by Emma Munger. Our title track is Run to Your Mama by Goat. Original music by John Kusiak, John Ivins, Edwin, and Beanart. Our credit music this week is Daddy's Dream by Mitchell Catalanato, courtesy of Jack Fleischer. Oh God, oh God, please help me understand. Our ad music is by Matthew Boll. Our digital editor is Rob Zipko. Alex Bloomberg is the podfather. He has two objectives, get the money and don't get caught getting the money. This season of Crime Town is dedicated to the memory of Bill Malinowski. Thanks to the Providence Journal, the New York Times, Julia Haymans, Emily Wiedemann, Kate Wells, Lisa Newby, Mary Murphy, Megan Lutit, 
Christine Kay, Andrew White, Maura Foley, Beth Flynn, and everyone who shared their stories with us. For a full list of credits, bonus content, and to sign up for our newsletter, visit our website at crimetownshow.com. You can find us on Twitter at Crimetown and on Facebook and Instagram at Crimetown Show. And if you enjoyed Crimetown, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find out about the show. Thanks. Providence is a special place, and we're honored to tell a part of its story. 